This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Mussinelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Mike Mussinelli Podcast. It's always a an interesting podcast on a Monday following an Eagles game. This is podcast number 130, Monday, October 30th, brought to you by the great people at Bet Rivers. Good, congratulations if if you hit on a couple of games this weekend. And uh, sorry if you didn't. Uh, and uh, if you bet the Eagles, depending on where you got the game, uh, the line, I think, finished at seven and a half, which is too bad for you because the hook got you. But let's talk about this silly-ass game. I don't know what it is. Maybe we can try to put our heads together on why it is that this lousy Washington Commanders team can always give the Eagles fits. I don't get it. I I really don't understand it. All right, the first time the Commanders ran the ball and uh, they made it a game and they took it into overtime, and this time Sam Howell looked like Joe Montana. And the uh, game plan, obviously, was to move the football by getting the ball out of his hands quick and having some short passes. Because Sam Howell had been sacked 40 times coming into this game it was en route to an NFL record. And last week got sacked six times by the lousy New York football giants. So this is the thing about the NFL. From week to week, you can't predict. And from week to week, you don't know how it, it, it carries on. How, on how the Eagles play. Like, you know, the, the Eagles l- gave up a lot of points and yardage to an inferior quarterback who had been fright night uh, as far as getting the ball out of his hands and getting sacked. And you go, well, you know, when they play a really good team, that's going to bottle them up. But it doesn't carry over from the Eagles because they're a team that just does what they need to do. So next week, if you're going to put the in the equation that Dallas's offense that really looks good, that Prescott really looks good, and that's going to be Fitz on the Eagles secondary, it probably is not going to comply and, and come out that way because you never know how the Eagles are going to play. What I know about the Eagles is they have one loss. <laughs> and, they, and they seem to do everything they need to do to win games. Well, if you look around the rest of the league, the inconsistencies are rampant. So I'm, I'm not going to sit here and and focus on what the Eagles don't do. I'm going to focus on what they do, which is at the end of the day, they win. So let's look at this game and, and let's look at the, what really turned this game around uh, in the Eagles' favor. And there was one segment in the fourth quarter that really did it. The, the Eagles converted on a third and one to Goddard. They got it to the to the Washington 38. And then on a second and 10, Devontae Smith was wide open for a bomb touchdown. And that tied the game. The, the, the commanders had a 24-17 lead at the time. And at the time they had the lead, Sam Howe's numbers were as followed. 33 for 39 for 304 yards and three TDs, and he wasn't sacked once. And the commanders who stink on third down were 7 to 10 on third down. So so anything you thought about coming into this game was washed away because they had the lead. 
That touchdown by Devontae ties the game. And I go, I'm looking at the play and I'm going, Devontae Smith is not on their radar. Like, how in the world do you allow Devontae Smith to get past you by 25 yards? And that defines the Redskins. Oh, excuse me, the Commanders. And, and what also defines the Commanders is there's a field goal early in the, earlier in the game. There, it's going to be a 55-yarder. All right, now that's already a precarious field goal. What happens? They get a false start to back it up to make it a 61-yard field goal. Now, Joey Sly makes them look good by, by banging the field goal through. But these are the kind of things that a stink team does. And on that particular play, Devontae Smith getting wide open for a bomb touchdown for 38 yards ties the game, and then here comes the big turnaround. Um, Sam Howe intercepted by Blankenship, who needed that interception because, frankly, he got beat on a touchdown and he really didn't play that great of a game. So he gets the pick, and they get it down, plus a personal foul, by the way, <laughs> to get the ball down to the seven-yard line, uh, and, and they get a first and goal. And, of course, they score the touchdown as Hurts hits the, the mystery man. Julio Jones. Now, we talked about the acquisition of Julio Jones in a previous podcast last week. We said, you know what? If he's ever going to help the Eagles, it'd probably be in the red zone where he can get a big target, give him a big target. And sure enough, they get him a big target and, and they score. And uh, if you remember this this uh, circumstance, and TV didn't really flush this out. Uh, and they went to a commercial. And then we had to figure out what happened when they came back. There was a, uh, a legal hit called on that play. To Julio Jones. And I'm thinking, okay, well, that that would move the ball to the one-yard line. Why wouldn't you then go for two? And, uh, and we're talking, we're watching the game, and we had Chris Myers and uh, Stink on the call, and they didn't really know what the hell was going on either. And so we're surmising that the Eagles peculiarly uh, somehow decided they were going to take that penalty on the kickoff. And I go, well, that doesn't even make any sense. Uh, so why wouldn't they go for two? They wound up kicking the extra point, and we find out later when we came back from a commercial that they had picked up the flag. So all good there so far. And at 31-24, effectively, the, that was all the Eagles needed. Now, there were a couple of silly-ass touchdowns that happened towards the end. Uh, the Eagles did go up 38-24 to on a fake tush-push, uh, which is an interesting little play here because I'm trying to think about like how many times they have used the uh, – DeAndre Swift in that formation. They usually use, I've seen A.J. Brown in that formation with Goddard most of the time where they get 230 plus 250 pounds behind. I think the tip-off on that play for the commanders, if they're paying attention, but they're not, is that DeAndre Swift's in there. Maybe some hanky-panky is going on there. Sure enough, hanky-panky was going on because they bail out of the push-push and they hand the ball to Swift who goes around the end. And scores the touchdown. Now, the commanders came back and scored a touchdown. It was irrelevant that they came back and, and scored a touchdown. The Eagles kind of let them get down a field in four plays. But the game was really over when they went ahead on that sequence where they get the tying touchdown, they get the interception, they convert off of that to make it 31-24 to 24, uh, and, and win the game going away. Um, so I want to get into the crux of these little things. We go back to the first half and and, and – We'll, we'll tell you exactly. We'll go through all the whole process of this win. Um, Darren, let me bring you in here. Do you have any theories on why Washington 
would always play the Eagles tough because I don't understand it. There, there are a lot of the only offer, uh, only explanation I can offer, Mike, is that divisional opponents uh, sometimes divisional games are quirky. You play them a lot. You play them every year. You play them twice a year. The other thing I can offer you is this team seems to play down to its opponent from time to time, and mo- actually more often than not, like the, the g- against the Jets, like there's no reason they shouldn't have scored more than the you know than what they score 14 points in that game, 17 points in that game, 13 points in that game. Yeah, Jets defense is good, but. It, and again, this team, what are they, 24 and two under with Jalen Hurts, a quarterback? They're going to play down. They're going to have, you know, and do you, how much do you want to show against a Washington team that you Oh, please stop with that them? rationale. You're, me. You're, you're holding the playbook back because you're playing Washington. Stop it. I'm just trying to give you, you know, options yeah, for ridiculous. why. I mean, it doesn't make, because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense of why they're 40 points better than that Washington team. You know, so but I think it, most of it has to do with you see this opponent twice a year, every single year, and you know they know your tendencies a little bit more than others. And I think this team does play down to some of its opponents. Uh, you know, at twenty four and two, that's twenty six games. How, are you getting up for all twenty six games, Mike? And look, there is a such such thing in football as a trap game. You had Miami last week, that high flying offense. Don't tell me they weren't worried about it. That's the fastest, most, you know, the most speed of any team in the league. And then next, next week, of course, you have Dallas coming in. Okay. Here. All right. I can buy maybe the sandwich situation. I, I get it. Uh, but I, I don't care. Let, let me give credit to the commander's offensive game plan because they're saying the only way we can survive here, the kid's getting killed. We got to get the ball out of his hands in two seconds. And that's what they did. They threw short passes to move the ball down the field. They got it out of his hand quickly. They did get a 29-yard uh, run early in the game by Brian Robinson. So they, they spiced it a little bit with the short passes with, with a run. And, and you know, the Eagles don't react immediately to that kind of thing. I, I think when, when they're doing that, then you you got to really – have some some press coverage and 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 avoid the gaps that he's thrown into for the short passing game. But in any event, the Commanders go up seven nothing when McLaurin beats James Bradbury for a TD. Now I'm looking at James Bradbury's performance this year. The Eagles have been fragmented back there. They had both starting corners back in there, and they had Byer now playing safety, which should give him a little bit of security with blanket ship. Um, but uh, I, Bradbury hasn't played that well lately, and Slay, I don't think, played well in this game either. But anyway, Washington goes up 7 nothing. Okay, no big deal. The Eagles' next possession, they go on a drive, and they're using some RPOs, which we haven't seen a lot of. They get the RPOs, and they get a third and 10 flat pass to Swift to try to convert that. It's a bad design play. I mean, you could tell from, from the jump that that was a bad design of play. And sometimes they're... Brian Johnson's play calling on those kind of situations are peculiar. So they wound up ha- having to settle for a field goal there uh, to make it 7-3. And then all of a sudden they get behind the eight ball because Washington's next drive gets a touchdown on a slant to Penn State's finest, Jahan Dotson, who beats who? Sidney Brown in the slot for the touchdown. Um like I say, everybody loves Sidney Brown because uh, he comes up and make a big, big hit. In fact, in their first series, 
he looked pretty good in that first series, and Eli Ricks looked pretty good in that first series. But it all comes down to uh, him falling behind on that play, and he gets beat by Dotson to make it 14-3. to It was almost like it looked like a mix-up in coverage there, Mike. It almost looked like I thought he looked like he thought he had help up Yeah, top, and, and he's, he's a kid who obviously doesn't know the nuances yet yeah, of, right. of how to cover. So now they're behind 14-3. to Now, uh, Twitter's freaking out. And if you're I have to, even my my friends are texting me. My friends are like the most fatal, fatalist people on earth. Oh, you're going to lose it. I go, dude, it's the first freaking quarter. Relax. All right. Relax. And people are freaking out. That's what I love about um, the Eagle fan base. They freak out at the very little thing. And now I, I know in my heart they're not going to lose to this crap team. And eventually this crap team is going to give it back to you. All right. So they're down 14 to three. However, they, they don't make it easy on the fan base. They fumble not once. But twice inside the five-yard line and lose the football. So let's talk about the first one. Have the days of relying on Kenny Gainwell come to an end? And I, this is a bigger picture here that we talk about. So Gainwell fumbles, and, and the commanders recover. Uh, they start their drive at the seven. Um, they had been eight for eight inside the five-yard line. But they give it up there with Gainwell. Now, they, they love themselves from Kenny Gainwell, the Eagles. And we had a big discussion on the postgame show yesterday that I do with Derek Gunn and Seth Joyner. And, and Seth is done with Kenny Gainwell. And the rationale is that they keep giving him chances because he's a draft pick. What round did they get Kenny Gainwell in? I want to I say the fifth. Wasn't it the fifth? Yeah, I think so. Okay. It's the fifth round, fifth round draft pick. Like, I can see why they went all that way with Rager trying to justify he was a first round pick. I could see a little bit that how they went with the Ortega Whiteside, who was the second round pick. But a fifth round pick should not get that kind of clout that you have to keep throwing him out there. Now, they haven't used Boston Scott. Do they like Gainwell better than Boston Scott, or are they just protecting his pedigree, and I put that in air quotes, as a fifth-round draft pick? I, I've always said Boston Scott's the most underused player on the team. I, I, here's the thing with Gainwell that I think is the situation. He is a very good complimentary back. He's not your horse. And this is what happens when a good complimentary back gets asked to be the horse. He ain't it. And that's what's happening now. So I think Swift. But the other thing is, are they worried about uh, Swift getting injured? He's already played, well, I think, well, more snap than he yeah, of they, are. they gave him what he should get. 16 carries. When he gets to the 15th, there should be an air horn that blows on the sidelines for the Eagles because that's all you should go with him, which means they need to get some carries from somebody else because you want to run the ball like 25 times the minimum, right? You only do it 25 times. So if you're going to use Gainwell, they don't have any faith in Boston Scott, it looks like. They certainly don't have faith in Rashad Penny because he's in mothballs. So here comes the trading deadline, and I'll ask you this question. Do you think that they will try to get some lower depth chart running back that they can actually use here, like the Ajay acquisition that they made many years ago. I, I think they're they're exploring those opportunities. I don't know what's going to be available. I mean, everybody keeps talking about Derrick Henry. 
They're not going to get. Yeah, no good running back is going to be available. But you can always get a guy like a shy who people have given up on, who's banged, his knees banged up, whatever. That'll give you more production than what you get now, unless you want to go back I mean, to Boston. I would have Scott. no problem with Scott getting more carries. I really do. I think he's very underutilized. But I, I, for whatever reason, he does not have the trust of the staff. Well, obviously, yeah. don't like him. So the the answer it has to be answered now. With okay, we know they don't like him. He don't, they yeah. don't use him. They, they 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 don't like Penny either. What's the point? All right, so if you, you you may have to go out and get somebody. Then you're you're telling me that your guys behind game war are unreliable. That's the, your evaluation of them. I don't know what goes on in practice. Maybe they look at Boston Scott in practice and they go, he's unreliable. I don't know what it is. What I know is they don't use him. And they're down on him for whatever reason. I, I, yeah, I think you're 100% right. Can you remember one game where you were like, boy, Boston Scott was terrible. He really he can't fumble like that. He lost the game. That's why you don't put him in. I can't remember one. Yeah, I, listen, I don't know what it is. Like, like I say, I, I don't – people go – all every year they go, why don't they use this guy? Why don't they use this guy? Well, obviously in practice, that guy's not – Impressing them. There's there's something missing. Yeah. I don't know what it is. All right. So that's off the subject because the trading deadline is coming up. Uh, let's continue with the game here. Um, the Eagles then get a big a big touchdown here uh, towards the end of the first half. A couple throws to Devontae and then an unbelievable catch in the left corner of the end zone um, for, for a touchdown, a one-handed catch, uh, to, to, to 16 yards with 34 seconds left. Uh, and Hurts is 7 for 7 on the drive. It was a big drive for the Eagles, and they closed it to 14 and 10. And you're thinking, okay, you're going to halftime 14 and 10. Well, what happens? The commanders push the ball down the field quickly, and this is where the field goal gets them into the locker room leading 17 to 10. They shouldn't have had the field goal. They had a false start on a 55-yarder. 61 is his career high, and Joey Sly rips it through. So now it's 17 to 10. And at the halftime, I'm going – there's no chance the Eagles will lose this game. It's 17 to 10, and it, 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 it they've they've already given up the ball. Uh, and and here's the Commanders at 17 to 10. There's no way they're going to hold on to that lead. So uh, so what happens? The Eagles, who by the way had six yards rushing in the first half, six yards rushing. Now, it occurs to them that maybe they ought to get the running game going. This is another thing that I don't understand, that when you're playing a half of football, you don't realize that you're not employing your running game. So finally, at halftime, it dawns on them that they're not employing the running game, and they come out in their first drive, and they finally start running the ball. They get a big pass interference call on AJ. They get the ball at the one-yard line, and the tush-push fails. Now, I wasn't in, in the scrum enough to see if that was a bad snap by Jason Kelsey or whether Hertz got a little over anxious on snaring the ball and driving in there, but he gives it up there. Uh, and now this is two turnovers inside the five-yard line, which is really hard to believe. So the Eagles squander a big opportunity there, but then they get good field position from my man, Britton Covey. <laughs> Who gets a 25 yard punt return to get the ball to the Eagles 40? Your guy. Um, and on this drive, on this drive, it's, it's amazing to me that the, that the commanders see this play right in front of them. And it's the pass to Devontae that hits the ground. Now, this, this is right in front of them. And in fact, after the play happens, 
I see a, a commander player or a coach point to the ground. It's like it's directly 15 yards in front of the guy. And he goes, he's pointing to the ground. Rivera, slow on the trigger, doesn't react. And all of a sudden, here's Sirianni getting his guys up to, to the line of scrimmage. And they wipe away a play that shouldn't happen. And that leads to an eagle touchdown as Hertz hits AJ at the pylon and he squirms in. He's now at 113 yards with two touchdowns for the 22-yard TD. And route to setting an NFL record with six straight games of 125 yards. Plus, 417 is left in that quarter. The Eagles are tied 17-17. And, and then the Commanders go ahead again. Uh, they, they miss a touchdown to, to McLaurin who had Sidney Brown beat again on that play and throw was just a little over his hands. But then Hal hits Logan Thomas for the TD on a third and goal. He beats Blankenship 24-17. And that sets up, of course, what the Eagles then have to do, get the tying touchdown. Then Blankenship recovers for his faux pas, gets the interception, and they go on to win the game. But a lot of twists and turns in this game. And, so, and the commanders, uh, the franchise is what it is. Um, they don't challenge the Devontae play. There's a, there, there's a false start on a field goal that's already 55 yards. There's the interception late in the game. The commanders command. They do. They, they do. The commanders command. Eventually, they're going to command uh, in, in the opposite way to give you the game back. And the Eagles survive 38 to 31. So your your overall impressions at the end of that game were what, Darren? Uh, just stack wins. Uh, not every win's going to be fun. This this was a boring another another boring boring annoying game to watch. I'm just glad they got the win and got out. It's time to get ready for Dallas because the season starts just. Uh, I can tell you, um, I didn't really appreciate AJ Brown until I see him now on yeah, everyday basis. That dude, that dude is a beast. And, and nobody can handle him in those kind of situations because his hands are so big and so strong and his body's so big and so strong that that, that nobody's going to be able to outfight him. And it seems like every touchdown is the same where he snatches it. Uh, and, and you know, they're, they're, their coverage is not that bad. He's just snatching balls out of fools. Uh, and pools. double did and, and, on double teams. Let me ask you this. Is he the best yeah, wide receiver just, uh, in football right now? The numer- I think right now he's got to be considered with the combination. Now, he's not like an over overly much of a burner receiver, but he's unstoppable, really. If you look at the plays where he's unstoppable, those plays that are almost 50-50 balls, he's unstoppable. The, the quick slant is unstoppable for him because he gets his body in there. I mean, he there, there's not a variety of ways that you can play that guy. Uh, so... Yeah, when he complained about not getting the ball, he was probably right about it. Uh, he's a diva who deserves to be a diva because of how the guy performs. It's uncanny how he snatches balls. And, uh, you know, the Eagles have a monster weapon when it comes to that. All right, so now they, they move on uh, to the Dallas Cowboys. And the Cowboys look good, uh, smashing up the Rams on Sunday. Um, how do you read this game at this point? Um, I think the Cowboys have played well against bad teams and played poorly against good teams. And I'm, you know, I, look, their defense is still good. They have one of the best front sevens in football. I don't think it's the best defense in football. I think Baltimore's is, but um, 
But I, you know, look, it's going to be a good game Sunday afternoon. I mean, I think the Eagles will win. I think they will. Uh, I think they're ten points better than them at least at home. But you know, I, I got to see how healthy the Eagles are by the end of the week in terms of a, of a score. But um, I, you know, this is a team the Eagles should beat and will beat at home. Okay, we'll see what happens. Uh, we got to figure out the line on that game. I know that line's posted. Uh, do me a favor and check into what that line is right now. I'm thinking that the Eagles are two and a half in that uh, game. Let's see. Hang on here. NFL next week. Eagles, three at home. Three at home. All right, so just a, a standard yeah. line. I'm thinking that might go down to two and a half by the time the game's played. All right, so Eagles win 38-31. Let's go around the NFL and check out uh, five uh, situations that caught my eye on the weekend of football. Let's start with, uh, oh, man, this is painful for, for the New York football giants. Now, we, we do the do the show, of course, at Ocean Casino in Atlantic City. A lot of New York people come down. A lot of Giants fans, a lot of Jets fans. So we had a civil war in the building as that was going on. Uh, and um, I did actually see some Jets fans walk out of that game because, the, <laughs> you know, uh, it's almost ridiculous to, to see the way the Giants lose games and to see Brian Dable get all red-faced and angry on, on the sidelines. And then he throws his headset at the end, of course. Uh, fourth and one. The Jets 17, the Giants are up 10 to 7. And Grant Cano misses a 35-yarder to put the game out of reach. So now the Giants allow the Jets to come all the way back down the field. 58 yards with Zach Wilson as their quarterback to come down in four plays to get in position to get a tying field goal to send it into overtime. And subsequently... The Jets win it with another field goal in overtime. Gano had missed a field goal earlier in the game. And I asked Seth Joyner if that happened to a team that you played on, um, what, what, would you, what would your reaction be? Would you say anything to him? He goes, we wouldn't say anything to him. We certainly eyeballed a motherfucker. And he would be sitting in the last row of the plate. <laughs> Uh, all right, so there you go. Old school you Seth, go man. The He's the best. <laughs> there you go with the kicker, Jace. Let's go with number two. The 49ers. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Panic is setting in. Uh, all of a sudden, uh, it's the third straight loss for the 49ers. And, and well, does Brock Purdy stink after all? Did they jump the gun on Brock Purdy? Now, his numbers weren't bad yesterday. I didn't see if Purdy's numbers were yesterday. He threw for 365 yards, but he did get intercepted twice. And it doesn't seem like they can win without Debo. So they lose again. They lose at home, believe it or not, for the first time this year. Um, and so uh, I, the 49ers have dropped out. of. of and we're going to go over our top five in a second. For me, they have dropped out. But I know this is especially satisfying to you, Darren, because man crush. He's back, baby. Threw for three touchdowns. The Cincinnati Bengals beat the 49ers, and Darren's man crush, Joe Burrow, throws for three more touchdowns. Your thoughts? He's back. He's healthy. The Bengals have popped back into my top five. We'll get into that a little later. All right. Before we get to three, I want to go back to number one, the Giants. I'm watching the Giants game. Tyrod Taylor gets hurt in the game. 
Jones is already out. So they have to bring in a guy that they activated from the pack practice squad, Tommy DeVito. And I'm looking at Tommy DeVito. I'm going, what is he here to amuse you? Right? What? Like, like hey, hey, Hendry, you look like you're decorating a Christmas tree. <laughs> okay, you, you can throw a couple in if you want. And so uh, we're doing this bank job in Sea Caucus, and I'm laying in the weeds. <laughs> <laughs> and, and this big guy comes over to me. What are you doing? He goes, I'm resting. He goes, are you resting? Yeah, I'm resting. <laughs> I'm not I'm not done. I got two more. Uh, yeah, you, you probably do better with Manischewitz, but uh, it'll look funny on my table. <laughs> Dude. All right, so I thought you, I thought you were going to counter for, with a couple. No? <laughs> You're a funny guy. You're a funny guy, boy. Hey, Henry, can you want to help me out? I've been trying to bang this bar for a hey. month now. I mean, she's from the five towns. Your money's got a has got a lot of money. Might be big score in it. All right, Tommy, help me out. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Henry, do me a favor. I do you a lot of favors. <laughs> All right, Tommy DeVito. Good I'm luck. Trying to bang you help me out. Good luck to you, buddy. No, Tommy DeVito actually knew who he was when he came in the game. Tommy DeVito was the starting quarterback for Syracuse for three years before he transferred to Illinois to play one year. So he actually was highly recruited college player in Syracuse. Got him. He's from the upstate New York area. But good luck playing with Tommy DeVito. Daniel Jones, right? My God, you talk about I mean, he stinks and you, and they can't wait for him to get back in a lineup with that dreck they've been playing. Yeah, your boy Danny Dimes was just cleared for contact, by the way. So maybe Jones will play next week after all. Okay. He was just cleared for contact this morning. So he maybe he'll play for them after all next week. All right, Not that man. it matters. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, number three, <laughs> the, Bron- the Broncos beat the Chiefs 24-9. Come on, man. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, come on, Andy Reid. Come on, Mahomey. What, what's going on? How do you let that team win 24-9? Uh, uh, and, and here's like, what they're talking about now. Travis Kelsey went to a World Series game on Friday. He flew down to Texas, right? <laughs> and he had to fly back. In other words, the accusation is he's not taking the opponent seriously. And so when you don't take an opponent seriously, that's the kind of thing that happened. The Chiefs obviously threw, threw their uniforms on the field thinking they could beat that stink, stank team, the Denver Broncos, and they wound up losing 24 Not That That is ridiculous. I mean, it, it's one thing for the Eagles losing the Jets the way they did. To lose 24-9 to the Broncos? And let me give you the numbers on Russell Wilson because people are going to see that score. Oh, ooh, Russ might be back. You know what Russ was? 12 for 19 for 114 yards. And you lose 24 to 9 to them? I mean, come on. Seriously. All right. Let me go to number four. The Titans win 28 to 23 over the Falcons, who also stink. And and, uh, they, they had to make a quarterback change there, too, because Taylor Heineke had to finish the game for the Falcons. Uh, but let me get into this because the winning quarterback for the Titans was none other than Will Levis. Now, who is Will Levis? Will Levis was the, the quarterback who got passed over in the first round, kept sliding down, sliding down, sliding down. He, he's the guy who like, like loved to brag about his arm talent, uh, and he was the, the quarterback at Kentucky. And, and he previously 
was the quarterback at Penn State University. He and Sean Clifford battled for the starting job. Clifford got the job, Levis stayed for one more year until he then got out of Penn State and transferred. So interestingly enough, we're going we're gonna to tie this thought onto my fifth thought because Will Levis is now starting in the NFL and won his first game. In fact, there are only two other quarterbacks who did this in their NFL debut. He was 19 for 29 for 238 yards and threw for four touchdowns and had a 120.5 rating. Conversely, and number five we'll get to, the Packers have a backup quarterback named Sean Clifford. <laughs> is, it a, is it a matter of time before Sean Clifford starts for the Packers because they stink with Jordan Love they lose again 24 to 10. And, and the, the, the two issues in this game, they lost to the Vikings. The, the, unfortunately, Kirk Cousins tore his, uh, his Achilles tendon. So he's out for the year. And you wonder like what his future is going to be, whether he decides to give it up. Now, Aaron Rodgers has decided not to give it up. So Cousins is probably looking at it. So Aaron Rodgers is going to keep playing. I might as well try to keep playing. I've stole enough money in this league to retire the rest of my life uh, on some mountain with the Dalai Lama. But what, what the hell else do I have to do here? I might as well come back. So um, the, the quarterback who came in for um, for him, well, who, who was the guy that came in for Kirk Cousins? Oh, I know who he is. Jaron Hall is the Vikings backup. Do you know who he is? Have you ever heard of him? Uh, it rang a bell when I saw the name on the ticker, uh, but not really. I, I've never heard of him. He apparently went to BYU. Okay. Oh, we got another BYU quarterback in the league. Uh, Maybe. No, it's amazing. BYU, BYU quarterbacks are drafted because scouts get fooled into thinking that that's a pro style offense they run at BYU. Not taking into any consideration the competition or, you know, it's just every BYU quarterback is an underachiever as far as I'm concerned. Except for Steve Young. But go ahead. Well, Jim McMahon. Oh, yeah, Jim McMahon. That's right. <laughs> he wasn't over. Jim McMahon had the benefit of the greatest running back and football player ever in the history of the game. Uh, all right. Walter Payne. Well, he's a pretty good college player, too, Jim McMahon. Yeah, yeah but they're uh, good college quarterbacks. Yeah, I hear But they you. don't really – it doesn't really, you know, tra- transfer yeah. over to the pros. Yeah, you're right. You think uh, it all right. So um, let me ask you a question about Will Levis here as we wrap up the top five. Uh, Will the Titans turn – the ball over to him now with Tannehill like banged up. Is there any need to go back to Tannehill? No, it wouldn't surprise me if they traded Tannehill in the next couple days if he's healthy. That's a good call. Trading deadline's coming up. He might go. All right, let's go now to our top five in the NFL. I'm not even going to do the bottom five because I can give you bottom 15 the way this league stinks. Let's go, into, really the, yeah, let's go into our top five. And uh, so let, I'll start. And listen, I, I'll give a ringing endorsement to the Philadelphia Eagles as a top five. I can't make a case for anybody else. They're, they're staying there with one loss and they're winning games the way they need to win games. That, that's consistency to me. That's number one, and I don't think anybody even challenges that at that point. So I'll go no. Eagles number one. I, I will give the Chiefs an aberration call here. That's ridiculous that they lost in that game, and they obviously weren't mentally affixed to that game. So I'll keep the Chiefs. At number two, I'll go Cowboys three. I will go Ravens four. 
And then I will tie for five between the Lions and the Jags, meaning the 49ers have dropped out of my top five. I, mine too, Mike. And that's, that's a decent list there. Um, I, I, and I wholeheartedly agree with you on the top two. There's no one even close to the Eagles right now. Um, and Kansas City, they seem to check out every year for a game. Every year, they just mentally check out, it seems like. Um, if you go back and look at the last couple of years, like there's always one game where you're like, how the hell did they lose that game? Or how did they get their doors blown off in that game? That was, like you, I'm chalking that up to this past Sunday. Uh, I still have Kansas City as my number two team. My number three team, uh, and you've been on this team all year, and they really, the last couple of weeks, have surprised me, particularly with how the quarterback's throwing the ball. It's the best defense in the league. The Baltimore Ravens are my number three. Number four, he's he's getting better with his turnovers. But I like that Shagua team, man. Jacksonville Shags. Uh, also at six and two, I think they're going to make some noise in the postseason. Lawrence still little careless with the ball, but he will. I think he'll tighten that up. A full season, another full season with Dougie P coaching him. My fifth team, you know it's coming, Mike. You know it's coming. The Bengals, Joe Burrow is back. He's healthy. They are a night and day better team. Uh, than they started the year with, and there's still a lot of football left. I know they're four and three, but there's a ton yeah. of games left. They'll be fine. That's it. That's it for the people watching this and listening to this. That's a total man crush call on his part. They just beat the Niners, the Bengals, in San at Francisco. This point, at this point, ahead of the Lions. At this point, now maybe they're six. They should be in the top five. This man crush thing is getting out of control. All right, that's our top five for today. Uh, let's uh, swing into Mike Unleashed. Just a brief Mike Unleashed for today, but it occurred to me last night as I was driving home from Atlantic City. Um, and, you know, uh, automobiles have great features. And I'm trying to think the most overrated feature in an automobile. And I finally came to a final conclusion. I've thought about this before, but I've come to a final conclusion that there is no need for cruise control. In an automobile. Okay. And, and here's why. Because you're always going to have to hit the brake anyway. <laughs> like you can't, you can't have cruise control on for more than 45 seconds. And here's why. Because if you're on a highway, there's always going to be an idiot in the left lane that you're going to have to go. I got my cruise control here on 80. I'm cruising along. This fool is going 65 in, in the left lane because he doesn't know it's just a passing lane. And so you're jerking back and forth with the brake anyway. And I go, why did they even put cruise control in here? It is irrelevant. To totally agree. I've tried it twice in my life, like you, either going to or coming back from the shore. Plus, you know, I'm too much of a control freak where I can just sit back on without having to worry about is this car just going to keep, you know, I, I'm just too uh, OCD with that. So it is a useless feature. And it's been it, it's like what it, it's been in cars forever. Every car has them. I don't know anybody that uses it, really. The other thing I'll throw at you that you, I started thinking when you asked that question, I'm a guy in the wintertime. I like a leather, a pair of leather driving gloves. I, I, I like that. So for me, the heated steering wheel is useless. Plus, it doesn't get that warm. It takes a long time. Uh, but I always got a pair of leather gloves in the car in the wintertime anyway. So I don't, I, I, the heated steering wheel, I don't, a little useless for me. Yeah. Um, 
Let me, let me, uh, I agree with that one. I don't need a heat, heating steering wheel. I need a heated seat. The heated seat is key. Totally agree. And the um, air conditioning seats yeah, in, the, in the summertime on a hot day, a little fan going back. There you go. Oh, I don't have, I don't have an air conditioned seat. What? An air conditioned seat? What is that? Cause you got to trade that Mercedes in for a new Mercedes. Get the air conditioning seat. Um, here's what I have, that, which I don't quite understand. I have the option to use a manual transmission. And, uh, yeah, my I, wife's truck has that. I don't. I, I, don't, I yeah. don't. I don't get it. I don't get it. And here's here's the other thing. In my in my car, I don't even know how I activate it. Somehow, my knee hits the underneath of my steering wheel and act, activates it. And and so then it, it forges in it, and, and you hear because <laughs> it's in first gear, and you got to push a button to go to second and the third. It's got an arrow, a green arrow, on when you should push that. I'm going. Well, listen. I've got a manual transmission on my 1980 Fiat Spider convertible, and I I like that every now and then because I can bang the gears and I can roar, 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 and I get it in fifth gear when I'm on the highway. I don't understand having a Mercedes SUV why you would need the manual transition. Can somebody point out in an email what the purpose of that? Why a car manufacturer would put that in a car? I don't get it either. My wife's SUV has it. You just if you, you put it into drive, it's automatic. But then you just tap the shifter over to the left, and then you go up, down, up, down, up, down. Why though? Like, well, why would I want to do that? Explain it to me. There, 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 there must be a valid reason on why they put that in there, and I just can't see it. And I never asked a dealer why. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe somebody who knows cars can explain. And to do that, you get me Mike at MikeMiss.com. That's how you get in touch with me. I'll give you another one with, with regard to that, Mike. Like, have you seen these on the steering wheel? Like, I, I've been test driving new SUVs. I'm, I'm, getting, I'm in the market for a new truck. I know you've been telling me to get rid of my monster. Yeah, the, one, the one that gets uh, for years. negative two miles a gallon, the one you have? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that one. The, the QX80, as you would have it. But it's a big truck. But the, a lot of the newer ones I'm driving right now, you put it in drive, right? And you could click that over, but then the gear shifting is on the steering wheel. Have you seen that? Like up is on the left, down is on the right, gear up, gear down. That's another one. Like I'm, it says these are SUVs. These are high-end SUVs. I'm not racing this I, I thing anytime that, that's soon. That's how I, my gears go with that. Oh, it is? Okay. I don't, that's yeah, what I, I don't, don't get the, either. The, the, the lever. But that's an option though, right? You always do that? No, it's not an option. That's how you get in the gear. Oh, so when you hit yeah, the thing a, with your knee, then that's yeah, underneath how you when I hit it with my yeah. knee, when I raise my knee, somehow I'm I'm hitting something. I don't even know what I'm hitting. Right. All right, that'll do it for their car talk today on Mike Unleashed. That's all I want to do on Mike Unleashed today. But I'll leave you with a parting thought because we haven't talked about this team. It is a football Monday, but the Sixers are three and zero, and they win their home opener last night over the lousy Blazers. Interesting thought in that game. Embiid, they were going to give him a rest. Already load management here. We're two games in. Uh, but fortunately, the Sixers realized it was the home opener. And he played. So I'll tip my cap to the Sixers if they took that into consideration. Because it would have been a total buzzkill to have the home opener without Joel Embiid. Now, they're 3-0. and Harden hasn't played, but he did sit on the bench last night. I have no idea what's going on with this situation. But there are a lot of people now 
that they're first of all you're overreacting to the Sixers okay uh, and I love our Philadelphia fan base but you are the biggest overreactor fan base that I've ever seen and now you're going we don't need Harden because Maxi will carry us Maxi has played well early on he has t- had two games over 30 at 20 whatever he had last night 24 or whatever Maxi's going to score they still don't have enough with Maxi. Now, if you're going to make the case that bringing Harden back is going to retard Maxi's progress, all right, I get it because he seems to be a little more timid when Harden's on the floor. So, from that standpoint, I, I get it why, why you would look at Maxi that way. But without the contributions of another star player, and I don't even know if Harden's a star at this point, but Harden is a 20-plus game scorer and a 10-assist guy. Unless you get another guy who can give you that kind of production, you're not (laughs) – don't be conned into thinking that you're an upper upper echelon team. There are a lot of people out there I have to – well, look at the way Maxie's playing and with the coaching of Nick Nurse, you think we can be a contender? And I I answer with one word, no. All right, so listen, God bless the Sixers. I hope things are going to go well. Uh, and here's the other thing. Please do not react to Kelly Oubre yet. I've got already people going, Oubre should be a starter. Melton should come off the bench. Relax on Kelly Oubre. He had to sign a one-year minimum deal for a reason. Don't get overwhelmed with him. He's going to make some shots for you. He's going to score a little bit. He can't guard your mother. All right, so let's close it down on that parting shot. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Monday podcast, the Mike Missinelli podcast, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Again, on the Bet Rivers app, you can bet the Eagles right now. Three-point line of Dallas Cowboys. Feel good about your Eagles? Place that bet on the Bet Rivers app right now. And again, you can get to me, Mike, at MikeMiss.com, or check me out on Twitter at MikeMiss25. For Darren, the producer, I am Mike Missinelli. Have a great rest of the day, everybody, and we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Mike Bissinelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.